the conductor of the story train. I'm the one that wears a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. All aboard the story train. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station, and you know what that means. We're going someplace new. One whistle. We're on our way. I wonder where Story Train will lead us this time. We're entering the Rainbow Tunnel. Hold on, everyone. It's off to far, far away. This is so exciting. Just on the other side of the short rainbow tunnel lies our destination. That was quick. We're already at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I know this place. We're in the plains of Arizona. This is cowboy country. Yeehaw! Today's story is about a boy who stops time. It's called The Capture of Father Time. Jim was the son of a cowboy, and he lived on the broad plains of Arizona. His father had trained him to lasso a bronco, or a young bull with perfect accuracy. And had Jim possessed the strength to back up his skill, he would have been the best cowboy in all of Arizona. When he was 12 years old, he made his first visit to Phoenix, where Uncle Charles, his father's brother, lived. Of course, Jim took his lasso with him, for he was proud of his skill in casting it and wanted to show his cousins what a cowboy could do. At first, the city boys and girls were very interested in watching Jim lasso posts and fence pickets, but they soon tired of it, and even Jim decided it was not the right sort of sport for a city like Phoenix. But one day, the local veterinarian asked Jim to ride one of his horses into the country to a pasture that had been engaged for his horse to live in outside the hustle and bustle of the city. Jim eagerly consented. He had been longing for a horseback ride, and to make it seem like old times, he took his trusty lasso with him. Jim rode through the streets demurely enough, but on reaching the open country roads, his spirits broke forth into wild jubilation, and urging the vet's horse to full gallop, he dashed away in true cowboy fashion. Then Jim wanted still more liberty, and letting down the bars that led into a big field, he began riding over the meadow and throwing his lasso at imaginary cattle while he yelled and whooped to his heart's content. Suddenly, on making a long cast with his lasso, the loop caught upon something and rested about three feet from the ground while the rope drew taut and nearly pulled Jim from his horse. This was unexpected. More than that, 
it was wonderful, for the field seemed bare of even a stump. Jim's eyes grew big with amazement, but he knew he had caught something when a voice cried out. Here, let go, let go, I say. Can't you see what you've done? No, Jim couldn't see, nor did he intend to let go until he found out what was holding the loop of the lasso. So he resorted to an old trick his father had taught him, and putting the horse to a run, began riding in a circle around the spot where his lasso had caught. As he drew nearer and nearer to his quarry, he saw the rope coil up, yet it looked to be coiling over nothing but air. One end of the lasso was connected to a ring in the saddle, and when the rope was almost wound up and the horse began to pull away and snort with fear, Jim dismounted. Holding the reins of the bridle in one hand, Jim followed the rope, and an instant later saw an old man caught fast in the coils of the lasso. The man's head was bald and uncovered, but long white whiskers grew down to his waist. He was wearing a loose robe of fine white linen. In one hand, he bore a great scythe, and beneath the other arm he carried an hourglass. While Jim gazed wonderingly upon him, this venerable old man spoke in an angry voice. Now then, get that rope off as fast as you can. You've brought everything on earth to a standstill with your foolishness. Well, what are you staring at? Don't you know who I am? No, said Jim, astonished. No, said Jim, who was absolutely astonished. Well, I'm time, father time. Now make haste and set me free if you want the world to run properly. How did I happen to catch you? asked Jim without making a move to release his captive. I don't know. I've never been caught before, growled Father Time, but I suppose it was because you were foolishly throwing your lasso at nothing. I didn't see you, said Jim. Of course you didn't. I'm invisible to the eyes of human beings unless they get within three feet of me, and I take care to keep more than that distance away from them. That's why I was crossing this field, where I supposed no one would be. And I should have been perfectly safe, had it not been for your beastly lasso. Now then, he added crossly, are you going to get that rope off? Why should I? asked Jim. Because everything in the world stopped moving the moment you caught me. I don't suppose you want to make an end of all business and pleasure and war and love and misery and ambition and everything else, do you? Not a watch has ticked since you tied me up here like a mummy. Jim laughed. It really was funny to see the old man wound round and round with coils of rope from his knees up to his chin. It'll do you good to rest, said the boy. From all I've heard, you lead a rather busy life. Indeed, I do, replied Father Time. I'm due in Tokyo this very minute, and to think one small boy is upsetting all my regular habits. Too bad, said Jim with a grin. 
but since the world has stopped anyhow, it won't matter if it takes a little longer recess. As soon as I let you go, time will fly again. Where are your wings? I haven't any, answered the old man. That is a story cooked up by someone who never saw me. Hmm, I see, remarked the boy. Now untie me at once so I can go about my business, said Father Time. No, said Jim with a determined air. I may never capture you again, so I'll hold you for a while and see how the world wags without you. Then Jim swung the old man, bound as he was upon the back of the vet's horse, and getting into the saddle himself, started back toward town, one hand holding his prisoner and the other guiding the reins. When he reached the road, his eye fell on a strange tableau. A horse and buggy stood in the middle of the road. The horse in the act of trotting, with his head held high and two legs in the air, but perfectly motionless. In the buggy, a man and a woman were seated, but had they been turned into stone, they could not have been more still and stiff. There's no time for them, sighed the old man. Won't you let me go now? Not yet, replied the boy. He rode on until he reached the city, where all the people stood in exactly the same positions they were in when Jim lassoed Father Time. Stopping in front of a big dry goods store, the boy hitched the horse and went in. The clerks were measuring out goods and showing patterns to the rows of customers in front of them, but everyone seemed to have become a statue. There was something very unpleasant in this scene, and a cold shiver began to run up and down Jim's back, so he hurried out again. On the edge of the sidewalk sat a poor, crippled beggar, holding out his hat, and beside him stood a prosperous-looking gentleman who was about to drop a penny into the beggar's hat. Jim knew this gentleman to be very rich but rather stingy, so he ventured to run his hand into the man's pocket and take out his wallet, in which was a $20 bill. This bill he put in the gentleman's fingers instead of the penny and then restored the wallet to the rich man's pocket. That donation will surprise him when he comes to life, thought the boy. Jim mounted the horse again and rode up the street. As he passed the shop of his friend, the vet, he noticed a jug of milk sitting outside. I'm afraid that milk will spoil, Jim remarked. It takes time to spoil milk, answered the old man. This struck Jim as being odd, but true. It seems time meddles with everything, said Jim. Yes, you've made a prisoner of the most important person in the world, groaned the old man, and you haven't enough sense to let him go again. Jim did not reply, and soon they came to his uncle's house in the heart of Phoenix once more, where he again dismounted. The street was filled with teams of people, but all were motionless. His two little cousins were just coming out the gate on their way to school, with their books tucked underneath their arms. So Jim had to jump over the fence to avoid knocking them down. In the front room sat his aunt, reading a book. She was just turning a page when time had stopped. In the dining room 
was Jim's uncle, finishing his toast. His mouth was opened and poised wide just before taking a bite, while his eyes were fixed upon the newspaper folded beside him. There's one thing I don't understand, said Jim. What's that? asked Father Time. Why is it that I'm able to move around while everyone else is frozen? That is because I'm your prisoner, answered the other. You can do anything you wish with time now, but unless you are careful, you'll do something you will be sorry for. Anyway, Jim laughed, I'm living longer than anyone else. No one will ever be able to catch up with me again. Then a spirit of mischief came into the boy's head, for he happened to think that the present opportunity to have fun would never occur again. Jim tied Father Time to his uncle's fence post, that he might not escape, and then crossed the road to the corner grocery shop. The grocer had scolded Jim that very morning for stepping into a basket of turnips by accident. So the boy went to the back end of the grocery shop and turned on the faucet of the molasses barrel. That'll make a nice mess when time starts the molasses running all over the floor, said Jim with a chuckle. A little further down the street was a barber's shop, and sitting in the barber's chair, Jim saw the man that all the kids declared was the meanest man in town. He certainly did not like the kids, and the kids knew it. The barber was in the act of shampooing this person when time was captured. Jim ran into the drugstore, and getting a bottle of super glue, he returned and poured it all over the ruffled hair of the unpopular citizen. That'll probably surprise him when he wakes up, thought Jim. Nearby was the school. Jim entered it and found that only a few of the pupils were assembled. But the teacher sat at his desk, stern and frowning as usual. Taking a piece of chalk, Jim marked upon the blackboard in big letters the following words. Every student is requested to yell the minute they enter the room. They should also please throw their books at the teacher. Signed, Professor Sharp. <laughs> that ought to raise a nice rumpus, murmured Jim the mischief maker as he walked away gleefully. On the corner stood Policeman Mulligan, talking with old Miss Scrapple, the worst gossip in town, who always delighted in saying something disagreeable about her neighbors. Jim thought this opportunity was too good to lose. So he took off the policeman's cap and brass-buttoned coat and put them on Miss Scrapple, while the lady's feathered and ribboned hat he placed jauntily upon the policeman's head. The effect was so comical that the boy laughed aloud, and as a good many people were standing near the corner, Jim decided that Miss Scrapple and Officer Mulligan would create a sensation when time started upon his travels. Then, the young cowboy remembered his prisoner, and walking back to the post, he came within three feet of it and saw Father Time still standing patiently within the toils of the lasso. He looked angry and annoyed and growled out, Well, when do you intend to release me? All right, said Jim cheerfully. I've had my fun. I'll let you go now. Jim carefully unwound the rope from the old man, who, when he was free, at once shouldered his Sith, rearranged his white robe, and nodded farewell. The next moment, 
Father Time had disappeared. And with a rustle and rumble and roar of activity, the world came to life again and jogged along as it always had before. Jim wound up his lasso, mounted the vet's horse, and rode slowly down the street. Loud screams came from the corner, where a great crowd of people quickly assembled. From his seat on the horse, Jim saw Miss Scrapple, attired in the policeman's uniform, angrily shaking her fists in Officer Mulligan's face, while the officer was furiously stamping upon the lady's hat, which he had torn from his own head amidst the jeers of the crowd. As he rode past the school, Jim heard a tremendous chorus of yells, and knew Professor Sharp was having a hard time quelling the riot caused by the sign on his blackboard. Through the window of the barber shop, Jim saw the mean man frantically belaboring the barber with a hairbrush, while his hair stood up stiff as boards in all directions. And the grocer ran out of his door with his shoes leaving a track of sticky molasses wherever he stepped. <laughs> Jim's heart was filled with joy. He was fairly reveling in the excitement he had caused when someone caught his leg and pulled him from the horse. What are you still doing here? cried the vet angrily. Didn't you promise me to take my horse into the country pasture today, Jim? And now I find you still riding around town here like a gentleman of leisure. Whew, that's a fact, said Jim with surprise. I clean forgot about taking the horse. I'll do it now. I promise. It's time for us to head back to Pflugerville. Here comes the Rainbow Tunnel. Come back and see me again. You never know where the story train will take us. If you like stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you listen to your podcasts and you'll find lots of great adventures. See you next time.